Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is a View from the Bullens podcast. Listen to all the news, views and inside track from Goodison Park. This is a View from the Bullens podcast, sponsored by The Beer Killer, Liverpool One. Hello and welcome back to uh, View from the Bullens and welcome to the weekly catch-up here. I'm Ben and as usual I'm joined by the Bobble to discuss this week at Everton. Bobble, how are you feeling? You look extremely knackered today <laughs> with that early morning drive up to Liverpool from the Midlands. How are it, you feeling? It, it was an early morning, mate, yeah. Thankfully the traffic was okay because obviously it's the Easter break, isn't it? So I left a little bit too early. I probably overestimated the traffic. Um but yeah, not too bad. A bit tired, but not too bad, mate. You're, you're looking a bit too tired yourself, actually. Probably the one positive, isn't it, of the kids being off school is the lack of traffic. You've got um, a hell of a quiff today, by the way. Yeah, I've got a big quiff, a lot of curls, but I'm going grey on the side because of Everton. You are. You look more like your dad every time I see you, you know. <laughs> you're looking more like your old man every time I see you. Oh, God. So anyway, <laughs> let, let's go back into the week in Everton then, shall we? We were back under the lights on Monday night. Everton won, Tottenham won. Yeah. You haven't been on a podcast talking about it. Mm-hmm. What did you make of the game, first and foremost, before we get onto the finer details? Um, I thought first half, Tottenham were probably the better team. I thought they edged it. I thought they had probably more of the clear-cut chances. Uh, I think Harry Kane flashed ahead of just wide, didn't he, from a Perisic cross. And they had, obviously, I know that Son shot, that was ultimately offside. But they had just a couple of bit more half openings than Everton did. They were knocking the ball about a bit better. Um, it was quite reminiscent of the Aston Villa game at Goodison Park just a, a few weeks ago where I thought Aston Villa for the first 15, 20 minutes actually started quite well and were knocking the ball about uh, nicely. I don't think Everton got in and amongst it enough. And I, and I felt that's what happened against Tottenham. I thought they started off quite bright and looked quite comfortable on the ball and we didn't really get in and amongst them enough, uh, for, especially for the first half. The second half, um, I thought Everton were, were pretty good for large parts. Um, I thought we were at least worthy of a point. I thought Tottenham were quite poor in the second half, if I'm honest. I thought 
Son was very, very quiet. I thought Harry Kane, I know he scored the, the penalty and obviously he was involved in the most contentious moment of the whole game. I thought he was relatively quiet. Kulolevsky was was reasonably quiet. And I just didn't think Tottenham had a, had a foothold in the game, especially in that second half at any point. Um, I'm sure you're going to want to touch on, you know, the red card and the decisions. Um, but, uh, you know, just looking at Everton, I, I thought we deserved a point. I really, really did. Um, I, I think it would have been disappointing if we'd have lost, especially the way, the manner of the defeat it would have felt, obviously the red card and then losing to a game, losing the game via a penalty, which it was a penalty, by the way, there's no, there's no questions it was a penalty. Uh, the Michael Keane foul, Stonewall penalty. Um, but I just thought for effort, endeavour, character, and the way they, they didn't roll over when they went down to 10 men, previous Everton teams. And, you know, I don't like to look at the past too much, but especially the start of this season when you look at Frank Lampard's team they would have probably lost that game 2-0 they'd have just ended up I would have said 3 or 4-0 so yeah. <laughs> you might be right but I think they'd have ended up just, just rolling over and just getting beaten having their tummies tickled but it's different now and, and it has a different feel under Sean Dodge um, yeah it might not be always be pretty football it might not be perfect but one thing they, they do show is a lot of bottle in games and, and the proof is in the pudding they've shown that since Dice just came in bar the odd game they've shown a lot of bottle uh, and really dug in and it, it's an Everton type performance that second half against Spurs especially like I said when we went down to 10 men Nick, it was gritty it was roll up your sleeves, grit your teeth. We had like Sir James Tarkowski really pinching up high up the pitch. Um, he was almost playing like a defensive midfielder at times in that second half. He was winning every second ball. He didn't allow he didn't allow Harry Kane a sniff. Um, we were snapping at heels, really up against it. The substitutions worked; they were absolutely perfect. And that's something that we've not been able to say all season. From again, especially when you look back at Frank Lampard's tenure, that substitutions having an impact. I thought Ellis Sims was very good when he came on. Uh, he held the ball up while he won flick-ons. He was a focal point. I thought James Garner and Tom Davies added much-needed legs into the midfield. You can't say Tom Davies played well. Well, much maligned Tom <laughs> Davies, I know. Much maligned. But, but no, he did. He, he, he did added legs. Well. He added yeah, a bit of bite. Well. And, and sometimes that's all it needs. And it got the crowd going, didn't it? It got us going. And ultimately, I know obviously Michael Keane's goal is, is a fantastic goal. And it's a, it's a wonder strike. But it gave Everton a platform to, to try and nick a goal late on. And that's what we did. And who knows, another 10 minutes, there was another 10 minutes in the game. I think Everton were the, were the most likely team to go get a second goal. Um, so yeah, I thought they were thoroughly deserved of the point, man. And I was really pleased with the players because when you put in that sort of effort, that sort of hard work, when you don't come out with something, it can be quite deflating. But ultimately going in the change rooms after the game, for Tottenham it feels like a loss and for Everton it feels like a win. And that, that's huge going into the running. You know, we're at the business end of the season now. Momentum is everything. We're four unbeaten. Okay, it's three draws. But the Chelsea draw and the Tottenham draw, they feel like wins. Yeah, they do. So yeah, it's three draws, one win, four undefeated. But in reality and psychologically, it feels better than that. And like I said, momentum is everything going into going into the running. When you look at the pack down in the relegation zone, Everton are arguably the one team out of what, eight that have the best momentum. And that's because of these last minute equalisers or the feel good factor so yeah, it, it's really important, mate, to keep it going. And obviously, we we roll on to the weekend. I think we're top eight in regards to the form table since Sean Dyche has arrived, which is really pleasing to see. You talk about manager bounces, and I think Sean Dyche has had his time now, where he can kind of implement what he wants to see amongst the seventh team. Even the substitutions, I think around the 70th minute mark mm -hmm. was all brilliant. Like you quite rightly touched on Tom Davis, James Garnett, very good. Ellis Sims had a really impressive cameo. What I'm most impressed about is what you touched on then in regards to the mentality, the charisma, the character of these players now. And it's implementing through the training videos. You can see through the week, 
that obviously they're there to work. The players are get pulling their socks up quite literally, yeah. putting their shin pads on down their socks and getting stuck into training. And it's they're just stripping it back to basics. They really, really are, and it's really refreshing to see. I just think if we would have made this decision a few weeks earlier. You know, we wouldn't even be thinking about relegation now under Sean Dyson. I'm pretty adamant to that. You can see already the players look more settled and more comfortable. There's some sort of game plan. But besides, they're better coached, they, mate. They're better coached, mate. They are. That's what it comes down to. That they're much better coached on the training pitch. A, a good team, sometimes, or or a team, sometimes is only as good as the coach. Was only as good as how they are coached. Everton and the Lampard. They weren't well coached, unfortunately. Yeah, Lampard said all the right things in the media. He spoke while he, you know, he understood the fans. He, he celebrated with the fans, and he was a likable guy. But they weren't well coached. They were not well coached. It was as simple as that. <laughs> they weren't, no. You're right. And the likes of Alex Iwobi, who have done, you know, they've spoke out in the last few weeks, and they've said things that it was much more lenient. You know, you could get away with maybe a little bit more. And and that's really it's it's sad to see really that a professional player, with all due respect to Alex Iwobi, is saying that professional footballers shouldn't need you know, to be to have a lenient manager or a non-lenient manager, but it just shows what it what happens on the training pitch can have such an effect on a Saturday at three o'clock. It really, really kind of like I said, they just look well coached. They're they're well drilled, organised, they have a plan. And that's why we we are now picking up points and we look out of the the pack that are fighting relegation, the most organised. The obviously the massive biggest talking point was the Decore red cards. I know we were texting through the game with mm. your corporate Wi-Fi. You, you, <laughs> you, you were able to send me a text of what you thought in regards to the replay because I think I was able to like get on the back of it on the family enclosure and I sent it up to you saying like, I couldn't see That's it. The last time I sent you the password, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, definite red for me. Once I've watched it back, what were your thoughts on the whole situation? The Harry Kane shenanigans mm. you know what did you make of the whole situation it's taking away Harry Kane's shenanigans or rolling around the floor it's a Stonewall red card you know Harry Kane goes to the floor yeah does he make a meal of it absolutely do most you know world class top players do it in the game yeah they do Richarlison would have done it for us last year let's be honest he would have done the same and we all would have been screaming for a red card for player X Decore raises his hands he hits him around the face slap punch whatever it is eye gouge however you want to call it scratch it's a sending off. It's as simple as that. It's naive from Decore. He's got to temper those frustrations in a better way. He's got to channel his frustrations in making a tough, hard tackle, but a fair tackle or scoring a goal or making a late run or something like that. Harry Kane, in, in reality, he sucked him in. He sucked him in and got him sent off. And if He's you master of the dark arts, Harry Kane. He is. And if you were a Spurs fan, with respect, you'd more say, to think going forward. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but if you were a Spurs fan in that away end at that time, you'd say that's perfect. That's brilliant from Harry Kane from the skipper. That's perfect. You've sucked him in. He did it at home he's, when he went yeah. down for Pickford. There you go. You've sucked him in. He's lashed out. He's took his red. You take the yellow. Happy days. You've got on his advantage. In reality, it's it's perfect play by him. As horrible as that sounds, but that's modern day football. Decore should know better. And ultimately, he, he let himself down, but he also let his teammates down and it nearly cost us. It nearly cost us a, a point in reality. Um and obviously now we miss him for three games. And it's a shame because he, since he's, Sean Dyche has came in, Abdullah Dekor has been one of Everton's standout players. He's been he's one of the main winners since Sean Dyche has taken over at Everton in terms of coming back into the team and really staking a claim. And he was one of the first names on the team sheet in reality. But it's really poor from him. Um, it, it, and it, it's... Do you know what? He's been teetering on the edge a little bit. He did it against, I think it was Leeds at home. Um, 
I can't remember who the, the, the Leeds player was, but a Leeds player did come out a couple of weeks later after we beat Leeds uh, at Goodison Park. And he said that the Corey, when it was all kind of kicking off, the Corey does say a lot of things uh, and come out of a lot of things. And he does a lot of pushing and shoving and grabbing. And, and sometimes it will boil over. And when you look at what Harry Kane had actually done, Everton actually had the free kick. He fouled Gray. Everton had the free kick. Kane was most likely going to get booked. He pulls Decore, and Decore then obviously raises his hands and, and, and pushes him in the face. It's a Stonewall red card, whatever you think of, of Harry Kane's theatrics. That's just a different story. It is embarrassing by Harry Kane, but nevertheless, it, it, it's, it's a red card for Decore. And it, it's disappointing, like I've said, because his contract's up in the summer. He was playing for his new contract. Obviously, it's Everton's uh, obligation to, well, we have a choice whether, should I say, to extend it or not one of the informed players in the blue shirt and now he sits out for, for three games due to violent conduct. It's silly, it's reckless um, and he, like I say, he's been sitting on the edge for a little while but he should know better, mate and there's there's absolutely no excuses for me. Yeah, I just think Kane let himself down. I think that's why VAR is in place now. I think the linesman, or, or, where I was sitting, I could hear the linesman put his, you're, you're no better being an ex-referee. <laughs> he put his flag in the air and he pointed towards his face and wanted to speak to David Coote almost straight away. And he sent him off straight the away. The issue was, is, Ben, the issue is, with sorry, mate, the issue is it's right in front of the benches. So rule of thumb, anything under the benches, you blow for a foul. So even if there's a, the, you know, when I was a referee, the, the rule of thumb is, if there's anything contentious in front of the benches, bearing in mind you've got the fourth there as well, you blow up. End of story, you blow up. Because obviously it can kick off, all the benches run out. So you kill the game there. That was rule of thumb. Anything in front of the benches, if there's a slight foul, you think, oh, it could be a foul, you give it. You yeah. just give it. Kill the game. And it obviously stops the benches all running out and attacking the fourth. You're then protecting the fourth. You're protecting your linesman. You might be in and around that area as well. Um, it's it's just a, an area, a danger zone area. So the, the definitely with Sean Dice around off and Harry Kane out on the floor. Exactly. And, and if you notice, <laughs> the minute it all happened, watch the benches; they're all up, and it's and it's Ian a Wome was right in the face. I'm, I'm telling you now, as a referee, <laughs> that in front of the benches is a nightmare. If you could if you could put that in one corner of the ground or on the opposite side of the pitch, anywhere but in front of the benches, it is a nightmare as a referee. And I'm not I'm not defending no, David Coop because I didn't think he was great actually on uh, on Monday night. Never is. No, he never is. I agree when it comes to Goodison, <laughs> but it was it's a nightmare position for any official. It's a nightmare for the fourth it's a nightmare for the linesman it's just chaos isn't it when that sort of happens and that's how melees broke out break out benches and start attacking benches they start going at each other so the minute it happened mate yeah it was just so I think we can like both that. agree that it was a red card yeah. and Harry Kane was just play acting but it worked yeah. and he is yeah. a, a very good player at doing that yeah Let's talk on to the biggest positive, Michael Keane. That's 89th minute equaliser. That's two 89th minute equalisers for El well, Ella Sims and Michael Keane. Mm -hmm. He had no right to hit it from there. It literally is near enough the halfway line from where I was sat. And was, were, were you and, saying don't shoot? I, oh, I was going, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot. Oh, get him, Michael Keane. <laughs> Mick Hegger. But it, honestly, I was saying pass it back to Pickford to go long. And then he just opened up in front of him. But you, you know, you've seen the, tra the, the training videos. Yeah. Everyone's seen them. The players come out afterwards and they say he does it every single week, every game and training. They do. So it's, you know, I've seen a few fans laugh to say, put him up front. Mm. If we are back to the wall and we are one or two nil down towards the back end of a game, who's to say that he can't go up front? In the first half, he chested one down uh, when they were shooting towards the park yes, end. He did. And I thought, he's going to bury this. Yes, he did. I thought he's going to, and then it went off target and I thought, oh, that, that, that's his big chance. But what a goal and oh, what an atmosphere after Brilliant goal, brilliant hit. Sometimes, you know, it's cliche, isn't it? If you, if you don't buy a ticket, you know, you don't win the raffle. And sometimes... 
players have to take it upon themselves just to have a crack and have a lash and, and that's what can happen sometimes. An absolute wonder goal, he'll probably never hit another goal like it or hit a ball as cleanly as that. Lloris didn't even move, he'd waved it goodbye. Um, yeah, and obviously the scenes after it's brilliant, isn't it? When Goodison's like that under the lights, it's, it's fantastic. And like I previously said, because of that atmosphere and it was kind of us against the world, us against the officials and us against Spurs, another five, ten minutes, Everton may have got a second and I think James Tarkovsky had a really good effort. Didn't he block by, I think it was um, one of the Spurs defenders, might have been Eric Dyer, you know, in the box. Tarkovsky turns, lashes at it. It looks like it's going on target. I think it least. was going on target. Yeah, at yeah. least. That was, this was obviously after the Keane goal. Um, but yeah, what a finish. What a finish. And you know what? I'm really pleased for Michael Keane on a serious note because he, he, did, he didn't feature under Frank Lampard. He was told, you know, you weren't going to feature under Everton that your future's He was probably... told that he was old enough and he, yeah. there's not and he can, he can learn now. Yeah, and that which... was strange comments yeah. by Frank Lampard when a professional was asking you what they can do to get back in the team. I thought that was pretty poor man management by yeah. Frank Lampard in that respect. Um, but I'm really pleased with Michael Keane because he's, he's, he's never moaned. He's never gone to the press and moaned. You know, and he's, he's, in reality, he's barely played all season since before Deutsch came in. He's never moaned. He's never kicked off. Uh, I'm always told Michael Keane's just a good lad. Like, whatever you think him as a player, he's a good human being, good lad. Turns up to training on time, never shirks it in training and always puts in a shift. He's kept himself in really good condition whilst he's not been playing. And, and a lot of senior pros, with respect, you know, when they're not playing and they can see Everton are doing poorly and they're still not getting a given a chance, they would be knocking on the door and moaning and kicking off and maybe spitting the dummy out, but he, he never did. And, and I think he deserves credit for that. And I know people might think, well, you're a professional, you should be doing that anyway. But modern day football is a lot different nowadays. We all know players can throw their toys out the pram or kick off or down tools. You know, and with respect, Adelaide Decore didn't handle himself in glory when Frank Lampard was here. He didn't. No. Um, and I know he's getting a lot of progress at the moment, but he didn't handle himself in glory. Michael Keane, on the other hand, was... Just a model professional, top bloke, never moaned. And, and I'm really pleased for him because, like I say, whatever you think of him as a player, whether he's the long-term answer, that you know that remains to be seen. But short-term, he's doing a job right now. And, you know, it's just nice for a good, solid professional just to feel good and have a bit of confidence. And that's going to do wonders for his confidence, you know, because he is quite a confidence player, Michael Keane. We all know he's he has struggled mentally in the past. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased for him, mate. And, yeah. I'm glad that obviously he gave the penalty away. So I'm, I'm glad he obviously managed to recover and redeem himself. One strange topic that I mm -hmm. want to ask you about before we move on was the pre-match banners. I thought they were a bit suspect, to be honest. You, you didn't know, like you, the Beatles one, did you? I, I just didn't quite understand the concept of having ex-players, one being Richarlison, on the banner for a team that were playing that night and then a Beatles one and a blue and white scarf. I find the Landon Donovan one a bit weird. I find it all a bit weird, to be honest. Like, I understand, like, the set, and I, I'm in a WhatsApp group with, the, you know, the 1878s, as you're quite aware, and they're pushing for more and more and more banners. And even they said, like, what kind of, like, effort was that? I remember last year in the Leeds game, we had them little blue and white flags. Yeah. We had, obviously, I think the whole top of the Gladys was caped in banners. You know, do the fans need to get together and get some sort of, you know, go fund me and get some banners in there if the club will work with them I don't know but it was a pretty poor and weird showing wasn't it I think the, uh, it's meant to be a legends banner isn't it that one with all the ex-players on London you know, Donovan and that's what I mean I know obviously he's, he's massive in the US and I know you're probably trying to I know the club are maybe trying to reach out to the US fan base or you know any, have any bit of inclusiveness but London Donovan was only here for what a year half a season whatever it was on I joined just, on loan and came back on loan. I think, didn't he? It was yeah, two loans. Yeah, spells. it's a bit, bit weird, though, isn't it, to have him on there? Especially, you know, he's hardly an Everton legend. Uh, and Richarlison's obviously a bit of a. It's a tough one, that one. Obviously, 
he was a talisman, but obviously when you're playing against his, his club, it's a, it's a bit weird as well. I just don't really get it. I just don't really get, you've got some real like legends there. That I think the word legend is overused. That's the issue. What, you know, what, what do you constitute as a, as a club legend with respect? Howard Kendall is a club legend. Yeah. But then is the likes of, with all due respect, Lukaku, Richarlison, Landon Donovan legends? No, they're not. They, they might have been good players and maybe Richarlison was a talisman, but they're not legends no. of the football club. Is Duncan Ferguson a legend? Some would argue no. They'd argue again, he was a bit of a hero, a court hero, a talisman. But is he a club legend? And I think the word legend is used... is it's over, thrown about quite I think bit, it's thrown it? about far too much. Looking at Spurs, you'd say Harry Kane's going to go down as a legend for them. Of course, they're the highest ever goal scorer. He will be a legend. But would you say Hugo Lloris will go down as a legend? He's been there for, what, eight, nine years? Probably not. Mm. It, it, I think it just gets overused a little bit, and I think it, it, and that's why I don't really get that banner when we've got some, like I say, serious Everton people on that banner, like serious, proper, proper Evertonians, you know, blue blood. They get it. Who, who, with respect, Howard Kendall, you know, would have a stand named after him for argument's sake, but you're not going to name a standoff land, land over Landon Donovan. Yeah. So I just don't get that banner including all those so so called random players. A bit of a weird one for me, but I, I know the Beatles one as well. That, that caused a lot of. <sighs> Questions on Twitter, didn't it? Because obviously some of them are reds. and It, it was strange, wasn't it? You talk about cult heroes. The only hero I've seen is the skeleton, the pigeon, and the upper bullens. I think you've all probably seen that on Twitter. <laughs> recently. Like 2012, that, I think that, that might be the case. A goodison, not pigeon. Awful, it's that, you know. so that's weird. Awful. But anyway, you think they'd, you think they'd go get, get, get it down, wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, for Tevin, probably fall down. I think I'd remove that pigeon skeleton. <laughs> that's horrendous. It's bad. Yeah, it's probably propping up something, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we had a media roundup on Wednesday, Bobble. The full episode is on our our patron the link will be below from this podcast so give us a try if you want to hear more exclusive news and content we talked about an injuries roundup um obviously Dominic Alvett Lewin Nathan Patterson specifically talked about we won't really touch on Andrew Townsend just to summarize Bobble said we might not ever see him again in Evans yet and I probably tend to agree so let's touch on Nathan Patterson and Dominic Alvett Lewin yeah yeah Nathan Patterson was left out of the squad for for Tottenham uh they just didn't deem that he was Quite ready. Deutsch Fitness. We spoke about that at length on previous podcasts where Sean Deutsch likes match fitness, but he also likes Deutsch Fitness. And I will just touch on it. I did say it on the, on the patron for you, Ben, that Sean Deutsch has been very, very careful with Nathan Patterson. There's been absolutely no rush to to bring him back into the fold just due to the fact of the form of, of Seamus Coleman. He's probably playing some of his best football for over the last couple of years. So there's just been no, um, no need to, to bring him back, no rush. Uh, so they're just working with Nathan Patterson a little bit more. He obviously got minutes away on international duty with Scotland, um, but it, it is what it is um, with, with Nathan Patterson. But it's nothing serious without him, so nothing to, to worry about. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin, uh, he still hasn't returned to, to first-team training just yet. He is doing light training in, in like the gymnasium and swimming and stuff like that. He, well, he was obviously at the game as well on Monday night against Tottenham, um, but he hadn't returned to to full training. So it, it is what it is with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Ben. I think we've just got to start having the attitude of if he's there, it's a bonus. And if it's not, well, we've had him, you know, we've not had him for, for most of the season. So yeah, he's another player that they're just not going to play unless he's 100% fit. And although he did go to Dubai with his personal physio and he did warm weather training and he has since come back and done some physio work and light work in the gym and things like that, that Sean Dyche will just not play him. In. And it's completely different because under Rafa Benitez, when we were under pressure, Rafa Benitez was, was playing... Dominic Carvalhoen at 70% fit. He was playing with Charleston at 70% fit and he was just taping them up and hoping that they could go do a job. Uh, and we've done that, you know, we've, under Frank Lampard did it with Dominic Carvalhoen at times as well. But Sean Dice just has a different philosophy, mate, a different feeling about it. And unless you can go to the well in games, 
he won't play you. He, he doesn't feel it's right. Uh, and who's to argue? Because ultimately at the moment we're getting results with without Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So yeah, if when he's available, it's a bonus. When he's not, it, it is what it is. But that that's basically the injury roundup. And coming off the back of the Tottenham game, there was no new injury that's worries good. to have Yeah, off the back of the Tottenham game. So no new injuries to worry about and fixtures did go our way this week for the first time in a long time. Another topic we discussed was Isaac Price, Bobble. You know, his contract is up in in June, June the 30th, I'm led to believe. So is there any... Nothing. Yeah, not not, not any closer to to getting Isaac Price down to a long-term contract. Um, As I said on the Patreon, Ben, Isaac Price is a player that thinks that he should be in and around the first team, rightly or wrongly. Um, you know, When Frank Lampard was was here, Stanley Mills and Isaac Price were on the bench a couple of times. They were potentially going to get more minutes. Frank Lampard was a big fan of them both. Very big fan. Really liked them. Um, since Frank Lampard's left the football club, they've both been dropped back down to the under-21s. Stanley Mills has been injured. Okay, that you know he's, he's now back, but he has been injured over the last few weeks. But Isaac Price has been playing every week. Um and ultimately, he's got a lot of clubs looking at him. A lot of clubs. He's now made his international debut uh, over the international break as well. He's got teams on the continent coming in for him, talking to him, as well as a couple of Premier League teams. Um, even the likes of Burnley uh, uh, have, have spoke to Isaac Price and, and you know Vincent Company's a big fan. So whether we will keep Isaac Price at the football club, that remains to be seen. We are no close, closer to tying him down. And like I said, due to the lack of options or chances he's he's had in and around the first team, he is open to, to seeing what he can get elsewhere and see if he can feature somewhere at another club. But I know Everton have, have tried for a number of months now to to persuade him, to tie him down, to keep him, uh, keep him happy. But ultimately, the, the power is in Isaac Price's hands. His contract's up in the summer. He can now talk to clubs, talk to agents, talk to representatives of clubs. And believe me when I tell you, that is exactly what he's doing. He's got a number of clubs interested, mate. So, yeah, uh, we, we've got a real, real fight on our hands if we can, you know, if we want to really try and keep hold of Isaac Price because it's going to be very difficult. Yeah, definite real shame in there. And breaking news, obviously, on Sky Sports, Fabrizio Romano, your mate, and a few of us, David Ornstein. <laughs> I know it's not a Chelsea podcast, this, but it does look like Frank Lampard has taken on the Chelsea job. Yeah. What are your thoughts on on that? I think it's a bit, bit bizarre, me, to be honest. Ashley Cole's going back with him, isn't he? He somehow falls uphill, Frank Lampard, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they all, they're all going back. I what, think Paul Clements as well, Joe Edwards. What a chance for him. What a chance for him now to kind of resurrect his managerial career. What, 11 games left, including the Champions League for them? What a chance for him to try and... One, not only throw his hat into the ring, but two, you know, get his stock risen again. Because obviously stock's really low off coming off the back of, of Everton. Um, yeah, what an opportunity. He must be licking his lips at that. Because all in reality, he's not got to go in there and start working on things on the training pitch. He just needs to get them fired up. Because Chelsea look like they've just lacked fight. And if he gets, if he goes there, he gets the fans on side. A bit like what he did at Everton towards the end of, of last season. Gets the fans on side, rallies the troops, fires up the... the the squad in the changing rooms, what you know, who's you know, they've definitely got the quality to maybe win seven out of those eleven or six out of those eleven, and he then throws his hat into the ring. Whether you'll get it or not is a, is a different matter. But what it does do, it will then probably help his own career because then other clubs will think, you know what, he can get a tune out of teams. So what what an opportunity for him. <sighs> you know, I know we're not a charity podcast. It does kind of make some sort of sense though. It appointed him to the end of the season because they don't want to make a a rash decision now and that's something that Chelsea 
especially under Boeli, uh, wherever you pronounce his bloody name. Um, that you know, Todd that's Bowley. Todd Bowley, Boeli. Yeah, that that they have made some rash decisions. So sitting on its end of the season now. In reality, the, their league position is dead. It's finished their season. Champions League, yeah, they're fighting for that, but winning that is very, very unlikely. So rather than making a rash decision and then appointing a manager that they're maybe not 100% sure on, they may as well ride it out until the summer, finish mid-table, have maybe a little go at the Champions League and then make a, a real, real solid decision in the summer and sit down and maybe press the reset button. So it does kind of make sense just to hire an interim manager for now. Um Manchester United did it, didn't they? They've done it in the past when they were struggling and finished maybe ninth, eighth. Yeah. They hired an interim manager just for the last, you know, eight, nine, ten games of a season, and then they can take stock at the end of the season and make a real judgment call. So, yeah, I, I, I get the philosophy behind it, if that makes sense. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live, from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating. They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. View from the Bullens is sponsored by the Beer Keller Liverpool, C&D Engineering Consultants and Advanced Building Supplies. Thanks to the support and of course, thanks to all the people that do subscribe to our Patreon. And if you want to get access to all of our content exclusively, there is a link down below as stated previously. Bobble, Man United game this Saturday, 12.30 kickoff at the apparent theatre of dreams, they like to call it. <laughs> are you, obviously, I know you are going the game, yeah. but you're not going in your, your boogie bus this time, are you? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Uh, driving in the away end with you, I think. Yeah, I think you are, to be fair. Do, who, obviously, Decore has got his red card, violent conduct, co- conduct, shall I say, get me words out. Mm-hmm. Who do you think's going to replace Decore? Tough one, that. Real tough one. There's obviously a big call for Ellis Sims to play. Um, it, it's a it's a tough call. I think I'd like to see James Garner. I think I'd like us to see maybe pack the midfield out a little bit more. I know they've got no Casemiro. He's he's still suspended. Uh, I don't know if you watch Man United against Brentford. Sabitzer played a lot more forward. He played pretty much off Rashford. It was a bit strange what they did. Um, they they tinkered it a little bit at Ten Hag and he played Sabitzer quite off Rashford. So. I'd maybe pack the midfielder. I'd maybe play James Garner. I think he deserves a shot. I think it'd be good to get him some serious minutes. Um, that's what I would probably do. Yeah, I'd probably bring in James Garner for the suspended Adelaide Decore. What would you do? <sighs> Again, it's a, it's a million-dollar question, isn't it? I'd probably say I might, might move a Alex Roby inside in, in his preferred 10 position. Um, he can be the Decore role, pressing high. The Mari Gray then goes on to the wing, but then you lose 
Alex Awobi's work ethic and tracking back. Is he going to leave Seamus Coleman too exposed? Who do you then play up top? Ellis Sims. So you'd then play Sims? Yeah, I'd then put Sims up front. He might do yeah. that. He might do that. I, I just think Awobi's got that in him. I think obviously with the tests he's got done last year, I think he has got a lot of, obviously it's the white blood cells for recovery. I think mm. he's got the highest recovery is it oxyhemoglobin or something that obviously it's too big of a word for me to understand what it means, but he apparently recovers the quickest out of any Everton player. So he does have the energy to press. I think Decore was pressing defences. I think even in the Damari Gray, I think Decore did the hard work. So Alex Wobie can go in and do that. And that is his preferred position. And Damari Gray does like being out wide. So it kind of solves all the solutions, really. Does Gray work hard enough on the wing for you, though? And probably Dodge? not. That, that's the worry there, because Dodge likes his wingers to work very, but very I hard. I also thought that Gray wouldn't work that, as hard as he has been doing up front. Mm. Um, he has been putting the miles in. And when he loses the ball, he does work tirelessly to get it back. So it is going to be difficult. What do you think our chances are then as a whole? Well, I watched Man United. I've watched them twice recently. I watched them away at Newcastle on the weekend where they were very, very poor. They were miles off it. Newcastle were worthy winners. Uh, Newcastle probably could have scored four or five at St. James's Park that day. Um, but then I've seen most part of it against um, Brentford and they, they looked reasonably solid against Brentford. It was workmanlike. I think that was probably the most telling part of the game they were quite workmanlike against Brentford who were obviously difficult, a difficult customer um, they were pretty good they were slightly edged Brentford but they've hit a bit of a, a dry patch Man United they're not firing on all cylinders like they were a couple of months ago uh, and obviously with no Casemiro I know Christian Eriksen as well two huge players for Man United in the midfield they're, with them two both out they then play the likes of McTominay Fred or, or Sabitzer can Everton maybe dominate the midfield Potentially, there's no reason why Onana or Drusagana Gay can't try and stamp a bit of authority on the game, or you know, you back our midfielders to out battle them. Um, it's going to be difficult. Going to Old Trafford is always difficult. I'd snap your hand off for a point. It'd be a very, very good point going into the home game against Fulham next week. If you then said, right, you're going to get four points from the next two games out of Man United away and Fulham at home, that'd be a terrific return. Um, if we did manage to get four points in reality, we would start, we would maybe be one of the favourites to actually get out of the fight then and maybe could maybe, without looking too far ahead, maybe start looking up the table a little bit and maybe try and climb our way out of it. Um, but it's going to be difficult and obviously if results go against us and we lose, you know, you're sucked right in again. Um, but like you've just previously said, the results have gone really good for us this week. Very, very good. Probably the best we've had in a long time results-wise uh, and it makes our point against Spurs look even bigger. So let's go there, be fearless you know, they're not, they're not the man you at the start of the season. They're not firing all the cylinders. Uh, and that's been proven over the last few weeks. Got to keep Rashford quiet. There's no doubt about that. He's a danger man. He can score uh, from anywhere. But yeah, it'd be interesting if Everton score first. If we score first and then maybe try and keep it tight, backs to the wall, get in their faces a little bit, it would then be interesting. Um, but yeah, let's, let's try and nick something there, mate. And there we have it. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed listening. All the links to our social media and Patreon are below. Get in touch, give us a review, subscribe and have a good week. Stay safe and all the very best.